Welcome to Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations on faith, culture, and society. I'm your host, Chris Fuller. And I'm Mark Hyde. And on today's episode, it's all about understanding what it truly means to be a man according to God's word. As Christians, we can often find ourselves influenced by social norms and conflicting messages. But let's find the truths that define a man in the eyes of the one who created us. Mark, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's Let's go. Let's go. Well, here we are. Another we made it. episode brought to you by Revive Fest. Dude, we are at Revive Fest again. We are outside. It's a beautiful We are day. surrounded by it's some sunny. beautiful people and some beautiful artists. Yeah. Got good neighbors. We got like really good, good neighbors. Neighbor. Debbie is here. Don't forget Brian. Oh, sorry about Our Brian. friends over at the Missouri Synod in Michigan. That's right. Which is really hilarious that they're the Missouri Synod of the Lutheran Church in Michigan. <laughs> Well, you know. Shouldn't y'all stay in Missouri? I'm not sure how that works. But we're, I mean, we're, we're Southern Baptists in the northern part right, of the state, exactly. so I can't say nothing either. <laughs> but, bro, we are back at Revive Fest recording this episode. They're still doing sound checks over there, so we're probably going to get interrupted here and again in That's a second. That's right. That's how it was last year, too, and we enjoyed every second of it. Every second. We've already heard we are messengers warm up. We for Sanctus real warm up. They're yeah. having the person who is, pl- I mean, she she's a, like an opening act for Sanctus Real. I don't know what her name is because I, I I uh, the it's, uh, oh yeah, I forget. I don't remember, but we got some my bands fo- my here. My phone we're recording on. The so. wild thing is, like you know, we're looking this up, right? Sanctus Real has been around since what you say, 96, 96? Yep, nineteen ninety six. They've so, been here for almost twenty seven years. They've been a band almost as long as I've been alive. Twenty seven years, which wow. is absolutely nuts. So I grew up on Sanctus Real, man. Right. And then tomorrow night, who we got? We got Run Collective. We got Sidewalk Profits. We got Social Club Mifits. And the best part is. We get to do some interviews with the artists. Well, at least one. At least one. We are, are we and are messengers. And yep. we're and we're MCing like after every single band. So we will be so, up on stage tonight. So this is why you guys should come here to Revive Festival. We'll be up on stage tomorrow. We're doing a workshop tomorrow morning, we first are. thing. Discipleship. Yeah, don't go don't go to the yoga. I'm, I'm sure the exercise ladies are really sweet and I'm I, sure they're really nice. But you know what? But thank you, boys. <laughs> they ain't the real thing. Thank talk. you, boys. <laughs> and then the next day, then the next hour, I'm doing a workshop. To help. How do you yeah. turn your online how, how do you turn your online visitors into in-person worshipers? That's the right. tagline with that one. Exactly. But we'll be up on stage quite a bit. We're, I mean, obviously, it's not that we're, we're live right now. It was like months ago. But we got the giveaway going on right yep, now. That's Hopefully. right. People read that, but we are here. We're at Revive Fest, and we are hot, sweaty, but having a good time, man. Uh, always, always. So why don't we go ahead and talk about what we're drinking right now because it's not coffee it's, because it's no. blistering warm. And, you know, I was trying to figure out how we could bring – I mean, we, we do have some canned iced coffee in the cooler. We're going we gonna, to we gonna smash right, it a little bit. Right. We're going to yeah, have a good time. Yeah. But um, I'm drinking Prime. Like, I'm no drinking, joke. I'm drinking my fluorescent green So as much <laughs> I, as I did not want to be one of those prime dudes. You're like, a prime dude. Like, like, like uh, Logan Paul. And I, I, who, who's Bougie. the other guy with Logan Paul? I don't remember. But so my brother started buying them, right? And sure. he, would, he would bring them over to family events. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, I'll try one. Holy snap. <laughs> Like, it's good. It's some good stuff. It hit the bougie mark for him. So, it hit the bougie. Man, you were just making fun of me at lunch for this, too. Listen, wait, hang on a second. Oh, shoot. How many episodes did I have to endure being called a boomer? (laughs) You can handle the bougie. You finally got your your shot. Not going to throw away your shot, man. But, you know, so I got the prime powder, so we're we're drinking some of the lemon lime prime right now. No coffee yet, but we're going to have... We got some coffee later. Yeah, after yeah, yeah. after we, got, we, we got do a few this. episodes to bring you from Revive Fest. So over the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing 
uh, some randomness out of us because yep. we're going to re- record a few episodes. You, here you might hear us say hi to people who are walking by. You yeah. might hear us, you know, accidentally Don't fall out of our chairs. Don't be thrown off. Don't be thrown off. You might hear some music. It, I promise. It's going it to be a good time. It will be okay. Well, bro, so that's what we're drinking. That's nothing right. special. Nope, nothing, nothing special. Big, nothing big. You know, I feel like we need to have a little... Uh, a little conversation though about music, right? So we're at a okay. music festival, uh-huh. right? We're at a music festival sure. here at Now Revive Fest was in Getty. Yep, yep. Do yep. you remember all the different festivals you used to go to back as a kid? Like, I, I think we talked about this last year. Were you a festival kid or not? Yeah, I mean, we went to a lot of the festivals that were around. Uh, you know, I don't remember all the names of the festivals. Obviously, Pulse was a big one. Pulse was a big one. Uh, there was a few, I think, Cornerstone Festival. Yep, yep. Uh, that was another good one. There, there was, was Creation Fest out in Pennsylvania that yeah, was huge. Yeah, I don't know if you guys there ever was traveled one, there. Out was there was one down in Logansport, Indiana, and I cannot remember the name of it. There was something in Logansport. Um, there was, and it had because that's where I first saw oh, oh, uh, uh, Tree Sixty Three. No, that's way. where I first you saw, saw that. Trees? Heck yeah! Wow, I did. that yep. just aged you right there. I know. Um, what was it? A Lazarus Fest. That's what it was called. Lazarus. Yeah, I've never Fest. heard of that. Yeah, I, I remember uh, Friends Fest with with WRFN, yep, our friends yep, over yep, there. Yep. But so, out of all the different festivals and bands that you've ever seen live, what artist? Put on the best show. I, th- I feel like we've asked this question. Have we? But I would have to say, and I think I said this before, the old school newsboys put on probably, well, them or plus one. They'll both Whoa, th- wait, plus one put out a good show? Bro. What's up, boy they, bands? They had like floating platforms up and if down. If people don't know who plus one is, just go Google them. They are basically ba- Backstreet it's Boys. Backstreet Boys, gone, but Christian. Christian. <laughs> but yeah, so they, th- they threw a, uh, like, had a bunch of pyro and moving platforms. They had a pretty good show, but probably old school newsboys would oh, be my see, favorite. I, I don't think you can beat Toby Mac. Toby Mac Live was he's a okay. Vibe. I've never really enjoyed Toby Mac. Diverse City, dude. It's he okay. has Sean he's Locke got, up he, there. He's got good music. I just his shows just aren't like. Mm, See, I'm a, I'm, it sounds really bad when I say I'm not a huge fan of his music because every time it's like it's all right. Billie Eilish comes out with a new beat. Toby Mac like duplicates it, and I'm like, I'm like, like listening to I'm Christian just, Billie Eilish. I'm gonna do the same thing, but drop it a key and change the lyrics, <laughs> basically. But no, Toby Mac always put on a good. Good show, but the the most intimate one that I'm like, you know, this is actually really dope. It's got to be Big Daddy Weave, man. I've never seen them in Big concert. Daddy Weave. Well, they're his the 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 lead singer's brother mm-hmm. was the mm-hmm. bassist, and he passed away from cancer a couple years ago. Right. So I don't fully know what's what's up with the band right now. We'll have to ask our friend Amy Watson to see if, see if we can uh, figure out what's going on with Big Daddy. She's not here right now, but right. she's our friend at WFRN. But I would say Toby Mac has probably put on the best show. Mm. But Big Daddy Weave, man, they put on a good one. And uh, um, I've seen Vertical Worship Live. That was they, fantastic, they, yeah, that's, too. Yeah, they're pretty good. That, that's so. the thing, man. You know, talking about Christian music, there's it seems like we're in a unique era of Christian music right now. What do you where, mean? Where it used to be like, you know, the the, the landscape of Christian music was mm-hmm. all about um, punk pop rock mm-hmm. or rock or pop. Basically, it was like, oh, if you like Britney Spears, you'll love Stacey Arico. <laughs> oh, if you love Backstreet Stacey Boys, Arico, you'll that's love name Plus I've heard One. <laughs> or you'll like, if you like NSYNC, you'll like True Vibe. Or if you like if you like Slipknot, you would like Underworld. Like right, stuff right, like right. They, There yeah, was always sure. like a tick for tag. Yeah. Like if you don't like them, you like right, this. And right. it was so much about like, underground low-key concert venues or mm-hmm. big shot artists going around but now the christian music landscape is pretty much all it seems like churches yeah definitely definitely you got a lot of worship music with phil wickham you got stuff mm-hmm. of vertical worship mm-hmm. and elevation and then red rocks worship and all these different ones so music has changed a lot but i just want to say a big shout out to to the grim brothers and papa grim are you gonna go say hi to those people 
That's all a giveaway. All that stuff right there is a giveaway. Everything on the left side of the table is a giveaway. Yep. In case y'all didn't know, we're giving away literally the house. Yeah, we're, we're giving away uh, John and uh, Vernon McGee's uh, commentary set, Ancient Faith Study Bible, Systematic Theology. We're giving away an RTC uh, journaling notebook, a prayer devotional. Uh, yeah, all sorts of stuff. But all it's already things, too late because you, are not, you are not here. But to that's hang all right. Out with us. Well, dude, we might should jump into this episode because I know they're well, opening the gates up read, here in a bit. You, you oh, got to read the review. review. Yeah, they've just opened the gates probably I'm nine all minutes out of ago. Sorts. So. I'm like close. Like, I need to put my sunglasses I know. on so, I can't even see. So let's go ahead and why don't you read the review and not, that way I can drink some water before we that dive into this. That sounds good. All right. Episode. So this review was left by J. Little Red 80 back on March 16th. And it says, Favorite Christian podcast. This is my favorite podcast so far. I love listening. Uh, during my daily commute, you guys really make me think about the Bible instead of just reading it. It's great to hear different viewpoints, and the banter really makes for great entertainment. In parentheses, I love the coffee talk. <laughs> Thanks. So, Jay Little Red 80, whoever you be, hit us up at the email, Real Talk Christian Podcast at gmail.com, and we will get the one of our bag. coveted, coveted <laughs> mini swag bag. <laughs> because Clark is still waiting for his mini swag bag. I'm going to see how long we hold out. You know, did you see his post? No, I didn't. Oh, did, we, did we send one to him yet? I thought we did. Well, we sent him the old one. I don't know if we sent him the new one. No, yet. I haven't sent him a new one. I don't but send new ones. I send that's the ones. That's true. That's true. Clark, they're not- text me. I'll look you up, bro. I'll look you up. <laughs> but but Clark was like um, contemplating my life right now about buying tickets to fly. I think he's oh, in yes. Texas. Yes, I did. He's, I'm a $700 round trip. So, sorry, boss. We, we yeah. ain't got that kind of money to, but, to help you fly you up. But, anyways. But make sure you email us. Get us your information. J, J Little Red 80. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jay Little up. Red Riding Hood 80. Hit us up at the email and let us know. And if you want a mini swag bag, all you got to do is leave us a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. If you only have Spotify, I know you can comment and do stuff like that. So, hey, if you left the rating review, shoot us an email. We right. still want to hook yeah. you up, too. Yeah, yeah, we take care of Because we all don't right. want any sin of Apple partiality. <laughs> so let's dive into this topic of what does it mean to be a godly man in the eyes of our creator. And, and I'll say, I have not reviewed these notes at all. You're, so right. I don't know that's what we're right. talking about. So, you know, uh, in this day and age that we live in, there's so much going on in the world and in society about what is a man yep. and what does a man look like? But for Christians especially, we have a whole other standard that we have to look at, or we should look at, and that's how does God view us, and how does how did God mm. create us to be a man? And like what it. does that look like? How does that function on a day-to-day basis? So we're going to go through that today, Mark. Okay, Did I'm you know ready. that? All right. So what does a godly, or what does it look like to be a god, godly man? So I've, you know me, I like points. I'm like point one, point two, point three. So today, point one is we are made in the image of God, or Gotta God's start image. there. So the essence of being a man lies in the fact that every man is created in the image of God. This divine imprint means that men, just like women, possess inherent value, worth, and unique purpose in God's grand plan. Being made in his image means reflecting God's character and attributes, such as love, compassion, wisdom, and creativity. As men, we are called to use these qualities to serve others, care for creation, and bring glory to our Heavenly Father. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. So Mark, what does it mean to be made in the image of God in in your opinion? 
in my, I mean, it's basically the fact of you get your value, your dignity and worth in that. And, you know, we talked about different episodes, my favorite one being personhood theory of what makes a person a person. And right. it's not in their mental capacity. It's not in the output that they can do. It's not in their, their worth or status or whatever. It's the fact of everyone has equal value, dignity, and the same rights as everybody else right. simply because we are humans. And this is what separates us from the other parts of creation. Mm-hmm. It separates us from the animals. It separates us from the birds, from the fish, from even just the plants on Earth. Well, the fact of mankind is valuable. Right. But therefore, we also have a responsibility Correct. too. You know what I mean? Correct. It's it's kind of like the idea of, of my kids have my last name, right? Mm-hmm. And anything that they do negatively or positively, sure, it affects them, but it can also affect the name because right. they are made in, I mean, they're not really made in my image, but, but you know, that, kind of the idea, the fact of the if you are a hide, sure. this is the way you're supposed to go. And we right. believe that as Christians, if you are a Christian, this is the, how a Christian ought to you know, live life and do, but just for creation in general, if we bear the image of God, that means we have a responsibility, almost like a, a challenge to live mm-hmm. up to of, right. you know, we get the opportunity to live in such a way of how God created us to be. But then we also need to look around right. and say, okay, so everyone else here, whether I like them or not, also was made in God's image. Right. And then you got to also remember, it's not just, it's not just us and exactly what you were saying. It's, it's, more than us, everybody around us, every mm-hmm. each individual person was made in God's image. Therefore, we should have things such as love and compassion and creativity and wisdom towards of helping others and being servants to one another and not just focusing solely on ourselves. It, we are of value to God created in his image as image bearers, but so is our brothers and sisters and our neighbors, right? So, yep. So, I was listening, before you move on, I was listen, listening to a, a Matt, I didn't finish it, but I was listening to a Matt Chandler sermon when he guest preached at a church down in Cleveland and he was talking about Jonah and, mm-hmm. and he was, so he's like, yeah, normally I can go through whole Jonah in like six, ser- six sermon series, but your pastor's making me do it in 20 minutes. So here we go. Um, but he was talking <laughs> about Jonah and, and I don't remember where the segue came from, right. but he was talking about the idea of, of so many guys think about this specific topic. So many guys will hang on to what someone said about them back in junior high of you're an idiot. Oh, you're, you're not smart or you're big headed or you're this or you're this. And so many times us as guys, we're very quick to either have too much pride or almost we want to skirt under the radar mm-hmm. just because of how other people perceive us, what have other people have said about us, other right. baggage that people have, a different characteristic of maybe the way society and culture is thrown on us. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, when we look at, okay, no, 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 the fact that God made you, so if you get your worth from that, it doesn't necessarily matter what other people have to say about you. The right. fact of you are valuable and you are, you know, you know, kind of like the women's ministry stuff where it's like you are loved and you are valued and you are cherished. Well, bros, we we loved and valued and cherished too. <laughs> but it goes beyond that, right? Because yes. we don't want to solely just focus so on So it that. focuses on us, the fact of, yes, we're made in God's image, but also everyone else is made in God's right, image. Exactly. So we need to make sure we live our lives in such a way where we are bringing good honor and, and yep. glory to God's name in that too. Right. So uh, point number two, right? So we've talked about point number one, being made in the image of God. Point number two, we are protectors and providers, right? So as we dive further into scripture, we see a recurring theme of men being called to be protectors and providers. In Ephesians 5.25, Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Here we find the ultimate example of sacrificial love, Jesus laying down his life for the church. As men, we are called to love and protect those under our care, just as Christ loves us. So gotquestions.org, our friends over there, 
have this to say about it. Biblical manhood includes the responsibility to protect one's family. This may mean physically to the point of laying down his life, Ephesians 5.25, which we just read. In the Bible, men are called to fight and protect their wives and children. Uh, this comes from Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. So I stationed people behind the lower sections of the wall at the vulnerable areas. I stationed them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I made an inspection, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awesome, or, I'm sorry, awe-inspiring Lord, and fight for your countrymen, your sons and daughters, your wives and homes. So this is Nehemiah when they had retaken Jerusalem. They were trying to rebuild Jerusalem, and they were putting up the walls, but not all the walls were finished, and they were being attacked. And this is what uh, Nehemiah had set to protect each other, they're, they're, they're the people under them, right? He sent the men up to protect the, the wives and the children and to protect their neighbors. You had, uh, I think it was somewhere in there, it's one foot. You had, to, you had to protect one foot in front of your house or whatever. And that's hold what the line. Did. Yeah, basically hold the line. Yep. So that all came from uh, Nehemiah. So diving back into what our friends at gotquestions.com or .org say, say is uh, women are never called to do the same for their husbands. This also involves spiritual protection. Consider that Eve sinned first, but Adam was blamed for failing to lead her. Genesis chapter 3, verses 11 and 17. Men are instructed to honor their wives as a weaker vessel, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, a phrase that in, in context invokes something precious, expensive, and valuable, not weaker as in like... Oh, you're weak and um, over you and stronger. It's it's talking about the preciousness of the women because they are the. What, that's what Peter's is referring to. Women and, are the crown of creation. Exactly. So <laughs> when they, when Peter says weaker vessel, what he is saying is the precious, priceless, uh, uh, most expensive thing that you own. Right. That's what he's talking about in that context. You hear that, Beth and Janelle? Y'all precious and priceless. Amen. Protecting one's spouse and family from harm, both spiritually and physically, should be a natural instinct for men. Uh, men are called to the prim- uh, to be primary providers for their family. Obviously, this can take different forms, and particularly diff- uh, particular circumstances can change who contributes to the family finances, unemployment, illness, injury, and so forth are circumstances, not deliberate, not deliberate arrangements. Adam's punishment at the fall was, incre- uh, was increased pain. I'm sorry. At the fall was increased pain in his primary responsibility within the family, which was to be the provider, Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Passages such as 1 Timothy 5, chapter chapter 5, verse 9, describe uh, support for widows, but not for widowers, which are the men's side, right? Which is an interesting thing to think about when you you get down to it. Right. Rather, it was men who are singled out to provide for their own families in the clearest of terms and 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Repeatedly, the Bible calls on men to provide for women to care for the home. So here is a good aspect of different roles, which we will talk about women either next week or the week after or the week after that. Sometime in this but next say, week. I am not, you know, saying that we're going to do something next week That's and what, then pull the dinosaur yeah. on everybody. <laughs> rawr, rawr. <laughs> but no, so this is an interesting aspect that... Um, it's throughout creation that men were always made to be the protector and the provider of their family, just as Christ is the protector and provider of the church. So here's a question then, and this is one that, that I've heard a lot of people speak about when they talk about manhood and what does it mean to be a man. Does it mean, though, in, in your opinion, and, and then I'll give my thoughts, does the husband or does the man, is that a requirement then to be the quote-unquote primary breadwinner? Well, I think uh, for the home. I think you know? I think that's what uh, gotquestions.org was referring to that there are some instances where um, that is not the case, but it should never be the arrangement because our role 
that Christ has given us, God has given us as men, is to be the protector and provider of our family. Right. So then how do we handle it where, you know, maybe the wife has a fantastic job? Like, mm-hmm. I know some people where the wife, like, 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 I know one family, right? She designs wedding dresses and is amazing. Sure. Like, sure. she is she sure. is sought out by celebrities for that Christian family. And so because of her job and how mm-hmm. amazing and good she is, her husband decided to make the decision that he was going to stay home from work to take care of the kids, mm. to let her go do what she wants, not what, what she wants to do, but so that she can chase her dream and, and do what she needs to do for the business. And she's still mom and she's still that. But because of, he's like, I can provide for my wife and for my kids this way, where I can make sure the kids are still taken care of, but she's able to basically step up and serve so many other people all around the mm-hmm, nation. So mm-hmm. do you feel like that would be an out-of-step place for a Christian to have where the man's got to step I mean, obviously, there's, like you said, there's um, there's handicap issues, there's it could be physical ailments, whatever. But do you think, in your opinion, then, based on reading this, that it's saying that the man is supposed to be the one who's the primary breadwinner and the wife just needs to stay home? Well, if they're talking, if we're, if we're looking at Scripture, right, all right, I'm not even going to put my opinion out there. I'm going to read one scripture and just I'm going to ask you the question what do you think it's saying. Okay. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What do you think that means? What, but he provides. So, but if someone like is providing for their family in such a way where it's like I am providing the space for my wife to go do this, we don't need to have a second job. It's better for my kids to have a parent at home. Mm-hmm. And even if you look back at the mm-hmm. homestead days, it wasn't just the fact, I mean, back when we didn't have modern technology, many times the wife was the homemaker because they didn't have washing machines and they didn't have just washers and they didn't have all these tools that make our mm-hmm. lives a lot easier. It was hard grind out work that mm-hmm. had to be done to take care of the home. But, you know, the dad still took place in homeschooling and, and would take the boys out to the field and stuff like that too. So there was still work to be done. Mm-hmm. And even like farmers today, like I got farmers in my family where, man, um, some of my cousins who are farmer wives, like they could chuck me across the cornfield if they really mm-hmm. wanted to, because sure. they can put in the grind and put in the work too. So I, I guess the question is, is yes, they need to provide, but can each family look different based on what the definition of provides mean for them in that context? Well, I don't think that uh, there's much wiggle room for provide in the way it's spelled out in scripture. I think that the man should, should put forth. That's the role, right? Yes. If we want to, we can change roles, right? We see it all over. We see gender roles being changed all the time. I, I, I'm a man, but I can call myself a woman. I can do whatever eh, I want. A different, that's a different conversation. But it's not because that, you are, it's either you're going to stick to what the scripture says, right? You're going you're to follow the line of scripture or you're going to change what the scripture says. I, I don't know what to tell you beyond that, right? As far as being a provider and a protector, that is our jobs. How, how, are, how are you going to let your wife go to work and you not at least put forth the effort to help? Because it, that's not her primary responsibility. What's her primary responsibility? To be a home care person. A, a, a caregiver of her children to raise up her children. That is her job. There's different roles, and we'll get into that more later on when we start looking at the role of women biblically. I wish we had better internet because my Bible's over there because I knew I was going to be on that internet. I know. And I'm like, shoot, my Bible's way over there on the other side mm-hmm, of the tent. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the verse? You're looking at 5.8? Five, 5.8 eight. Five, eight was... Uh, so, so here we go. So first Timothy five uh, instructions mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. church. Do not rebuke an old, this is from the ESV. Do not re- rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger man as brothers, older men as mothers, younger women as sisters in mm-hmm. all purity, mm-hmm. honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn how to show godliness to their own household and to make some return for their parents for this is pleasing the sight of God. In other words, um, if you got a parent who's old, 
you you got you got to take care of them. Um, she who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers by night and day. But she who is self indulgent is dead even while she lives. Commands these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his members of his household, he has denied the faiths and worse than an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Then it says, let a widow be in, mm-hmm. enrolled. And so my question would be: Is is it saying he as in the man? Is it saying just he as in the man should take care of his relatives and his household? Right. But I think that how it's taken care of is different based on the person. Now, now granted, for the roles that Beth and I have, like I work, like yes, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I do work, but I also it, I work a very specific job where I can be home and help her take care of you know the kids because we have eight kids with different special needs. So mm-hmm. she'll take a kid out to a doctor's appointment, and then the kids are home with me, and I got to be on standby in case you know. Mm-hmm. Um, fights happen which which happens quite often and so i i almost think you know the fact of i i i feel like in some sense back in different cultures when it made sense for the wife to stay home with the kids because she had the kids and was raising them in the physical labors of the field but at the same time i think provide can be a little different in different ways because what is it, what does it mean just to provide does it mean provide financially does it mean provide stability and so if 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 a wife is able to be a lawyer and do these really cool things, it's like, yeah, we make enough money where my husband's able to stay home and, and he's taking care of the kids. And I, I personally don't necessarily see a problem I'm not, with that. I'm not saying that wives can't have jobs. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the man should be the primary provider as in he should not stay home and do nothing. Oh, no, dad, don't be a lazy bum, play video games on the couch all day while your wife's on grind. But beyond that, for sure. To me, it's not just stay home and let your kids go to school and then you pick them up for a few hours and that's it. Like, that's 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 called responsibility. Right. You need to go out and provide for your family. And and we can disagree on that, and that's fine. And, and I think it's more the fact of, and I don't want to split hairs too much, and I don't want to get stuck on this point, but I think the idea of provide, the question is, is that talking financially? I don't have my phone. Or is that talking in other ways? Uh, uh, you like, know what I mean? Let's We can pull up the Greek on it. If I, if I can get it to hey, work. Good luck getting, are you able to get internet? Uh, well, maybe. We're going to find out. Oh, they're doing warm-up for another band right now. Yep. So, Greek on 1 Timothy 5. You actually have service out here? I got like I got nothing. semi-service, all right? I got right? a bar. I can't so even get look. a picture text from Beth. So, 1 Timothy 5. All right, some of And uh, verse 8. Because there's a, there's a dine, uh, verse eight. This is verse eight. Uh, if some of his own, so where does it even say provide? <laughs> if some of the owns and the most of the household and not preconsiders the sureness. So, so basically the sureness. So, so we use the word. I think this is where 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 American gets into a little bit of you need to provide and protect and be the primary breadwinner. But that's just talking about making sure your household is sure, it's set up, it's taken care of, it's the way it's supposed to be, and not just be a lazy well, bum. Hang on, hang on. I let think me, that. Let me read. Oh, there's a subwoofer that just got kicked down. We'll still hear, ladies and gentlemen. We're trying to figure out the Greek. Yep, and it's hard to do when you don't have a lot of service. Um. This is not giving me what I want to see. And we can come back and revisit it in a different conversation and move on to different points. I, but mean, I, I, I do agree. You know, a husband's job. Because I don't job think that that's, that's not what it's talking is about. Is to protect and to provide. And some of that is protecting where, you know, going out. If your kids are having issues, going to those parent meetings. It's it's taking care of your wife. It's making sure your wife feels loved and, and cared for in the way she needs to. Because, again, you know, Janelle needs to be loved slightly differently than how Beth sure. needs to be loved. So we got to make sure we lean into that. 
Um, but at you know, I I feel like a lot of times in American culture, it's the fact of especially like older ones, especially in the Christian world, where it's like the fact of the man had the job and the wife is just supposed to stay home with the kids and never have a job and never do things like that. And I just want to make sure we're not just saying that. Well, that's why I wanted to look at the Greek of it. To be persuaded. The verb means to persuade or be persuaded. It doesn't see that. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make any sense. But, you know, we can probably end it with this one for this conversation, not for the conversation, but for this point. Sure. And basically just say the fact of, yes, the part of the husband is to protect and provide in the way that Jesus protected and provided for the Mm -hmm. church. Like, Mm -hmm. we both flat out agree with Mm -hmm. that. I'm I'm just wondering at what point is do we put how we are versus other parts of the world and culture? Because even Proverbs 31, Mm -hmm. you know, the Proverbs 31 woman, she Mm -hmm. owned a business and she was at Mm -hmm. the street corners and she was doing her stuff. She was grinding. She was doing her thing. Yeah, and that's why I said I'm I'm not opposed to that. I'm just saying that that they should be the primary. But right? as a part of loving, protecting, and providing, you know, so many guys do get lazy. They do get... What is what is providing, though? I, like, to me, I guess that's what I look at because if we're, if we're comparing husbands and wives as Christ in the church... Right. Does the church provide for Christ? Does the church take care of Christ? No, Christ sustains us. We don't do... I mean, that, that that's the that's what I continue to... Find. It's written by the same guy. Right, but the, the, was the wife... I'm trying to remember if the wife was ever called the church, but the, the fact that Jesus... Well, as husbands, we're just supposed to love like Jesus loved the church. It's not saying we are Jesus and the no, wife is no, the but, church. No, but that was the illustration he gave, and so that's the illustration right, so I draw to back to. Of and how, love and protect. Of how, of how we... When, when he was given that illustration to say, look, this is how the relationship is, that, that as the church submits to Christ, not under a, um, because he's a dictator, but out of love, we submit to Christ. The wife should submit to her husband. And likewise, the, the husband should love the wife just like Christ loves the church. And when, what, is, what encompasses love? What Sacrifice. is love? Well, what's, okay, so that's one, right? But, mm-hmm. All right, so uh, I think of fruits of the Spirit. What's, what's fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control. So I think that that's a bit, pretty good description of love as well. It is. And, and, and I just think sometimes, you know, we as now, granted, I, I do personally believe, like for me, like, yes, I am called to go out and have a job and to work and, and to take care of and provide for my family. But I do think there's other times where it's like, could is part of Jesus sacrificing himself for the church, could a husband sacrifice his wants for the fact of, yes, my wife wants to pursue this with her medical degree or with her teaching degree in the, mm-hmm. in the, in the higher learning. But you're talking just and, about families. You're not talking about what about the man and the wife who they don't have a family. What well, about that's true. And they what should, about, yeah. so what, well, if we go into that, right? So why would it be one way for one person, but not for the other? You think it's okay that a man sits at home and not does anything while the wife goes out and works? Oh no, absolutely not. Well, why not? If that's what she wants to do, isn't he just supporting her? Because that's the, I mean, you could lean into that. I, I'm just asking the question yep. because, because then now we're splitting hairs. Of, okay, so when you're in a family, it's okay, but when you're or when you have kids, it's okay to do it. But now when you don't have kids, it's not okay to do. It. Well, you know but, what I mean. But in the same way, I wouldn't say if someone has. I mean, this is this was my story of you know if the husband's out working, you got no kids. I'm like, well, what is what does your wife do all day? Just sit at home sure. and play video games? Sure. Like well, uh, someone I knew, but. <laughs> But who's, but, you know I mean? but who's responsibility is it to take care of the, the household, right? Who's ultimately responsible? Who's God going to say you did good or you did bad when it comes to family? Well, I'd say the man. The going man, back 100%, to Adam. It goes back to our responsibility of how we handle our households. It, the responsibility is not going to fall. God is not going to question a wife. 
he's going to question the husband, and we see that in Genesis. For how the family was raised, yes, but I do believe the wife still has to stand before God one day and sure. say, what did, you, what did you do for your life? But here's the thing. Who did God blame for Adam and Eve? Did he blame Eve or did he blame Adam? Adam. Why? Because he was the husband and that so he, he was the husband. So Eve made a mistake, right? Right. Right, wrong, or indifferent, she made a mistake, and Adam got blamed for it. Why? Because as far as what we know, he was standing right there and just let it happen. Well, it doesn't specifically say that. That's speculation. No, because he, she handed it to us. Her, she, she took it ate and then handed it to her husband. So he was standing right there. That, well, maybe. It doesn't say that he was standing right there. She just says that he, she took an eight and after she ate, she handed, she handed it, to it to her, her husband. husband. But that doesn't mean that she couldn't have walked over and handed it to her husband. It doesn't say that. That's what I'm saying. We could speculate that he was standing there. But it doesn't specifically say. And Adam being st- stood right next to Eve, she took and... and put her hand abreasted out and he took and partook and whatever, you know? Right. So all I'm saying is that we don't know. All we do know is that he was ultimately responsible and not for the whole spirituality. That's not what God was looking at. He was, God was looking at for that one instance in time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so, I, and, and you know, with the, with the point that's made with the husband jobs, protect and provide. Yes, I do agree with that statement. I just think protect, protect and provide can look differently based on different contexts and different cultures and in different different family structures. That's all I'm that's that's all I'm leaning into is it can look slightly different. And and I'm saying I agree it can look slightly different, but I still think that it's still the res- pr- primary responsibility of the man. Now, I will say if a husband is trying to shirk responsibility, that's a problem. But how are you splitting hairs? What's what do you mean? The, what's the difference between oh, I'm going to shirk and because you don't know his heart? Well, that's and that's kind of what I'm saying yep. is that you don't know, and so I, I don't think the, that God is the God of confusion to where you gotta you know sit down and try to decipher and split hairs to figure out who's what. I just don't believe that. I believe that God is pretty clear and concise on on a lot of aspects, and and this aspect, this is what I believe, and it's okay that we disagree. I, I'm not I'm not offended, and I still love you. But brother. but you and I both, I mean, but we will agree. This is our job is to protect and provide. So 100%. our job is if if our wives don't feel protected or provided for then yeah i think it's time to look in the mirror and go so why 100%. what am i doing wrong 100%. And, and you know for those men who are not married and you know shoot not even engaged or anything like that they're just kind of they're single they're doing their thing you know your job is still to be the protector provider for your mm-hmm. family which is just you but it, it also talks about parents in those verses too you know what i mean mm-hmm. so talk about the fact of if you have if if widowers have or widows have kids mm-hmm. the kids need to step up and take care of and take care of their parents too. Mm-hmm. So, so I do think there's a level of providing and protecting for your own family. <laughs> well, yeah, even if you are I mean, single with that, you not know? even just your family, but serving. even yourself. I mean, you hear in Proverbs that says a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. I mean, it's pretty it's clear true. cut, right? If you're not going to work, you ain't going to eat. That's what I mean. So it's responsibility that you have to even take for yourself, for your wife, for your kids, for your community, for your church, and so on and so forth. I like and that kind of leads me into the next point. So, what does that all together look like? Well, it talks about. Part of leading is leading with a servant-hearted leadership, mm-hmm. right? Not just leading, being a dictator or an armchair quarterback, but being a servant-hearted leader. So Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 10, verses 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. A true man, according to God's design, leads with a servant-hearted attitude, just as Christ did. Our leadership should not be about dominating others or seeking power, but rather about serving them with humility and selflessness. 
So Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 14 says, For we are called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in the one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. And then 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 through 11 says, Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one of you has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of a variety, uh, a varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength of God, uh, from the God provides, uh, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. So basically, why do we serve? We serve not just because we have to, but because we want to, because it ultimately it glorifies our Father in heaven. And, you know, the, the thing is, is surfing's not always easy, man. No, you know no. what I mean? And it's like one of those things where if we are truly serving, I, again, this is going back to Matt Chandler, a sermon he did years ago, talking about what it means to be a dad. He goes, you need to be ready for this phrase. You ready for it? You got to be like dad tired, which also leads into that book that Jared um, Lopez Jared wrote. Lopez wrote. And the fact of the, is if you are truly serving your kids and your wife, when you go to bed and you lay your hand on a pillow, you should be dog tired. Well, and you it, know? it's not always like that. So sometimes it can be a, just a season in time. But yeah, you like should, I'm tired right after the be, season. You should be serving not just your family, but you're in your community, your church as much as you can. As God has led you, and I want to make sure I say that, as God has led you, because serving just to serve is not serving with the right heart. Right. Or serving to get the pat on the back or the accolades is not serving for the right purpose, right? Because we should serve out of a want to to serve our master and creator and for the accolades we get from him, not the glory. And it goes into that thing where if you seek out the, the praise amongst people, uh, where's this at? You seek out praise amongst people, you already have your reward, yep. right? Yeah, I don't and remember so, what passes that. Yeah, I don't either. remember either. But that, that's basically what it is. If you're seeking out um, the praise from people when you're doing the service of, hey, man, you're doing a really good job as a dad or as a husband or as a church member or as a pastor or as a worship leader or as a business owner or as this, you're seeking the wrong thing because you should only be seeking to glorify God in everything that you do. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and with everything we do, we should be seeking to do that through God's strength, the strength that God provides us to do that and be thanking him. It goes back to that thankfulness and that gratitude we talked about a few weeks ago in the marriage stuff about having that attitude of gratefulness that God has given us the abilities, the gifts, the strength, and the breath in our lungs to be able to do these things to serve him and his purposes. You know, I remember there was a, a picture that I saw go across Facebook a while back. You know, it's about serving leadership. And the idea is what's the difference between a, 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 a basically a dictator leader and a servant leader. And the idea is the fact of, you know, a dictator leader is staying up on his high horse and pointing and saying, you guys get moving, where the servant leader is like, hey, this is where we're going, right. and I'm going to be back here in the grind working with you. Right. Now, there still is leadership that has to be in the home, and that's why, you know, having these conversations with your spouse, and, I mean, if you're if you're just dating, um, you're, you're not married yet, so you don't necessarily run that house. I'm just, just throwing it out there. But, you know, there's a lot of times where, you know, at the end of the day for our family, like final decisions do sometimes rest with me. Right. Now, I mean, obviously Beth is the one who's running the day in, day out of the calendar and the house and the kids and the food and whatever, but she always runs things by me too. Right. And so like, what are we doing with our money for this? And she like, you know, honestly, it's one of those things where she's in the day in, day out grind of that, but big picture stuff. I always am a part of those conversations because that's just the, the, the way we see those well, roles and, playing and, out. And it's kind but, of, it kind of leans back into the way that churches should be run. We had that whole church and leadership conversation about, 
women in pastoral leadships and stuff like that. And what does that mean? And, and basically it comes back down to the same thing in the household of if you're changing direction of the family, if you're changing, if there's major changes, then it needs to be ultimately the decision with the input of your wife, mm-hmm. the ultimate decision and responsibility lies with the man. And that's who God's going right, to because at the end of the day, it. especially for husband and wife, you are a team, but as, as men, whether you're married or not, we're called to be leaders by serving other people. And this right. can be involved in the church world yep. when it comes to children's ministry or student ministry, or just at walking at your passion and being like, Hey, yo, I got a free Saturday. What, what is something you want done in this church that you have not been able to do? And I got you. Yeah. Like that's a way to serve. Or, you know, I think about like the neighborhood, right? The guy across the street from me, um, he's not a believer, but he's the town mechanic and mm-hmm. or, or the community's mechanic. And it only happened because people are like, Hey, could you help me? Can you help me? And he goes, Hey man, I, I I was a mechanic for years. This is what I love to do. So I want to help out. I want to help out the neighborhood, sure. and that's what he's like. He is known as that because right. he is literally just a servant of the community. And I guess my question would be for us who are listening is is if people would look at us and say, all right, so tell me about tell me about Fuller, tell me about Mark, tell me about this. Would they say, you know what? He like he loves people big. He serves people. He's mm-hmm. always looking for ways to help. Now you never want to serve so many other people that you sacrifice your own family because I know that's where yep. Yep. a lot of people struggle. Where you know, they're always serving their communities. They're always serving their people. They're always serving church. They're always serving these people um, that are over here, but mm-hmm. their own family's kind of falling apart. And right. it's like, you know, your family only gets one dad. Your wife, hopefully, only gets one husband. And right. so, therefore, you got to make sure you put priorities in place there. Well, they're your number one ministry. Correct. But at the end of the day, are we looking around going, okay, so not like who can I serve so I feel better, but just who can I serve because that's the right thing to do. And you lead specifically in your family by serving your kids, by serving your spouse, and just coming alongside, not just sitting up on a high horse telling right. people what to do, but getting down on the grind and serving those people. Yeah. And that goes into more of what we're uh, going to discuss of the integrity and moral character of what it means to be a godly man. Yeah. So the Bible places great importance on integrity and, mor- and moral character. Proverbs 20, verse 7 tells us, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Men are called to live lives of honesty, integrity, and righteousness. This means being consistent in our values and actions. Even when faced with difficult choices or societal, societal or whatever it is, pressures, social pressures. I should have just Societal put that. pressures. There you go. Uh, moreover, men are called to be leaders of integrity and character. If you look at qualifications for elders or overseers, they are a pretty high standard. Uh, but all men should strive for these things as his he is an overseer in his house, right? So we are the pastor, minister, overseer, elder in our house, right? So this is our first, when we get talking about our first ministry, this is what we're talking about. So uh, if we look at a couple of those um, characteristics, and I'm just going to read the Titus and First Timothy passage. Um, well, and First Peter, I guess, too. <laughs> I love it. I, I put a lot in here. I look something up real quick. Uh, it says this. This is, this is. This saying is trustworthy. This is First Timothy chapter three verses one through thirteen. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desire, desires a noble work. An overseer therefore must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self control. Here it goes. Self controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? This is why every man should aspire with these things, because you can't lead in the church if you can't lead in your house. He must not be a new convert or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace in the devil's traps. 
deacons, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Wives, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not slanderous, self-controlled, faithful, and everything. Deacons are to be husbands of one wife, managing their children and their households competently. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So Titus 1, uh, 7 through 9 says, An elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife, with faithful children who are not accused of wildness or rebellion. An overseer of God's household must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, and self-controlled, holding to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able to both encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. And finally, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-9 through 9 says, I exhort, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfaded crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All, uh, all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God resisteth the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that sa- the same kind of suffering uh, sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. So the one thing I wanted to hit on this scripture specifically was uh, verse 3 where it says, not lording it over those entrusted to you, mm. but being examples to the flock. So this is where I would say, as men over our families, even if you're just a husband and wife, right? We should not just be lording anything over them, but being examples to them of how a good Christian should be as Christ does to the church, leading and loving his most precious or what first Peter called the weaker vessel, meaning precious or valuable substance, uh, and treating our wives and our children in such manner that, that we care for them with our hearts and not just out of action or have to, but because we willingly want to serve them in love. And on the other side of the equation, because, you know, we're talking about what it means to be a godly man. Like, you, you can be a man without being a husband. And, you know, when you read through so much of the Proverbs, like like the one verse that you, you brought in, where it's like the man who walks in righteousness, blessed are his children, come after him. But there's also so many other Proverbs in there where the, 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 the writer of Proverbs, who, you know, we believe is Solomon, says, my son, listen to these words. My son, listen to these words. My son, right. listen to these words. And, was, oh, and most of these words had to do with how they were living their life. And yep. it comes the fact of, you know, um, don't, where it talks about, um, Man, I'm trying to think of the very specific passage in what it's talking about. We're talking about wisdom, but then the counter side of wisdom um, and I'm trying to think of, because he always describes it to like the 
the mischievous woman or, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. don't go down this alleyway because you know what's going to lead to. It's kind of the fact of, like, don't play with fire unless you want to get burned. Don't right. put your hand in, in the honey pot expecting for that to be honey on there. Right, exactly. And so when it comes to what does it mean to just live, whoops, just wipe my microphone, <laughs> what does it mean to live righteously? It's more so the fact of, you know, know what your moral compass is, but then have the guts to actually live by it. And, and what I was looking up was a, a good little definition and separation between what are morals and what's character and what's integrity. And this little link from mentalflow.co said, character is one's moral and ethical code, and integrity means that one lives according to that code. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like so many times as Christians, we sometimes know what the right thing is to do, Mm -hmm. but do we have the integrity to follow through with it? We know what the right right way to behave. We know the right way to speak to our wives, to our children, to our friends, to our colleagues, to our coworkers. We know the way we're supposed to do things. But so many times we get wrapped up in the fact of we know what's right to do, but we don't always have the... I would, I would say the guts to follow through with it and mm-hmm. have the integrity with it. And, you know, when it comes to, to, to mor- your moralities and, and your integrity and your character, a lot of, you know, the, the Bible verse of, you know, every there's, there's, there's no secret. Everything that happens in the dark will be brought out to light. Right. And so many times we want to be these people where in the light we're these amazing dudes and people want to look up to us and it's like, oh, these are the great men of the faith, men of God. But are we willing to put in the grind behind the scenes to get to that spot. Right. You know, are we willing to study? Are we willing to read? Are we willing to have these conversations? Are we willing to talk? Are we willing to serve to be able to stand up one day and someone say, like, yeah, he he was a man who 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 knew what was right and wrong and he lived by well, it. Well, and that's the thing. You, you brought up a good point of study. How are you supposed to know what the moral compass is of a godly Christian man if you Without don't study it. it? So, you know, this is the roadmap of here. This is what we talked about this on the way up here. This is what it takes to love me. Yep. Like, Mark, this is, this is my word to you and this is what... I, this is how I want to be loved, and this is how you should love others. Like the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Bible is a roadmap to both those things. This is how you do that. Yep. That's what the Bible is. This is this is exactly the manual of how to do those two right, things. Right, like, like, sure, it, it is a relationship book. It talks about, you know, God's love for sure. us. But it also says, okay, um, so since you are followers of me, here's what, you know, here, here's how that, you should walk. But it shows all sorts of stories of those who did things right and those who did things wrong. And sometimes that person was did things right and things wrong. I mean, so you, I think of David, you know, here's yep. the God after our man after God's own heart. He did a lot of things right, but did some things wrong. And that's what those stories are Just for a to, things to kind of yeah. show us those things. So, so the last point I want to bring up before we close okay. is, is point number five, a uh, godly man should show compassion and gentleness in tough situations. Ooh, okay. So the Bible is pretty clear when it comes to dealing with tough situations involving sin that a godly man should uh, do so in gentleness and love. But it goes beyond just those caught in sin. We should always be looking to love our neighbor as Christ did. So Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, one of my favorite passages. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourself so that you also won't be tempted to carry out one another's burdens in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15 says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly beloved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive." Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were called in one body, rule your hearts. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2 says, Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect neglect to show hospitality. 
Hospitality. Wow, I cannot talk today. For by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing, or angels unaware. I think of Michael W. Smith's song. Angels unaware. Maybe we are entertaining angels unaware. So, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. So, in everything, we should be showing gentleness, love, and compassion. Which ain't easy, man. No, but that's how we're supposed to act in every situation when we're dealing with one, not just one another, but even dealing with the world. Uh, and, and dealing with being compassionate, gentle, and loving does not necessarily mean that you cannot speak truth. And I think that's what you know we, we, we need to lean, lean into here for a second, because if we really are loving our families well, and we really are doing what we're supposed to be doing, you know, we're supposed to speak the truth in love mm-hmm. we're supposed to you know speak what is right and wrong and we're going to have to conflict or have conflict and sometimes stand up against people like, like i think of people right now who literally are going up against you know whether whether court cases right whether um things that are happening in public school systems what yep. are happening in things in churches where people are having to stand up and fight for what's right and you know they still have to do it with compassion and gentleness but that doesn't mean being pushovers either. right right exactly no you know? yeah, but, so- but i do think of like my kids you know like with with my kids you know with all the different needs that we have am i being a gentle soul with my kids well, and that's am what i, I was being gonna patient say with when, my kids? when you deal the with them, no when, the answer is no when your kid <laughs> does something again and again that you've told him not to do do you burst out in anger anger or do you be compassionate and, and gentle and deal and yes I, yeah, I do. yeah yeah it's not it's yeah, not we're, always good we're, we're just it's not gonna, always yeah, good yeah, right it's not exactly. always good so but that's the way we're, we're called to do, be in every situation even in the tough ones right yep. it's just like uh jesus said or the disciples asked uh, jesus how many times should we forgive Seven times? I say not to use seven times, but seven times seven. seven. And no, that like, does not mean 490. No, it means like infinite number is what that means. And so a lot. in everything, a lot. We, should be, we should be willing to be compassionate, loving, understanding, and showing gentleness. So here's my final thought, and I'll let you give your final thought, and I'm done after my final Are thought. Are we going to be done with our episode in under an hour? Well, there's been a lot of people stopping at the there's booth. There's been a lot of people and stopping at the booth. I kind of want to jump up. I'm and, feeling it. All right, dude, give me your right. final thought. We'll close this So thing. here's my final thought. A godly man, and this comes from gotquestions.org too, by the way. This isn't my statement. This is theirs, and it's oh, really, really good. But we're not copywriting because we're, we're quoting. But what, yeah, I'm not, I'm not copywriting. So. <laughs> so a godly man is not a perfect man. Man, that's such a powerful statement right there, right? Because you think of it, oh, well, I got to be this perfect godly man or else I'm not going to be a man of integrity or compassion. or just, No, we screw up. A godly man is not a perfect man. We will never uh, reach perfection until we are physically in the presence of Jesus, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 12, and 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. But the godly man embraces his manhood and knows that Jesus, not the world, has set the standard for what it means to be a real man. So he strives daily to model his life after Jesus. He does not excuse the sins and weaknesses he finds in himself, in himself, but continually surrenders those areas to God and asks for his help to overcome them. Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 14. Regardless of physical appearance, social status, or economic standing, any man can be a godly man if he loves God with all his heart and seeks to obey him in every area of his life. Luke chapter 10, verse 27, and Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. That's all I got, my friend. You know, as I'm thinking through this conversation, Thing about that, we're all made in God's image, but we're all made different, right? We're 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 all made with different past, different wirings, different backgrounds, different. I mean, I mean, you 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 grab ten or fifteen different dudes, make them all do whether you want Meyer Briggs, this personality profile, Enneagram, whatever. We'll come to the conclusion that we're all made and wired to be different. 
but the call to love your spouse, to be kind and compassionate to one another, to be a servant to all, to literally do loss, be a slave to those who to whom you're surrounded by, to to love and and build them up. But we're also called to live with morals and integrities. I like how you put this beautiful overarching picture of what a man is. It's not the fact of a man is supposed to be a man's man who can grow a right. beard and you know like 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 I'm thinking Spurgeon, right. you know, drink some whiskey and have a and, and uh, drink smoke some whiskey, a cigar, and smoke a cigar to right. the glory God. Like right. that's yeah. that's not how everyone's created to be. Right. And and you know some people are more burly than others. Some are more you know, big and bulky than others. Some are more dorky than others. But but all the things. How am come, I all those things though? <laughs> bro, you are the whole. That's what we call the complete package, a baby, burly is, and dorky you at is the, the same complete time. Package. But but seriously though, there's all different. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking around the festival right now. There's not one person who is the same in any any which way or fashion. Right. There's yeah. so much different personalities awesome. and people that are going that are here right now. And I mean, from different different places, different locations, different yep, social yep. structures. I mean, this is just wild to see. But the call is still the same for every man that's here at Engedi, and that's what. So if you are married, to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Right. It's to protect and provide for your children if you have children. If you're single, it's to serve and love and submit yourself and literally serve the people around you in such a way where they are brought up, not 100%. squished down. But you're helping bring people up. Yep, and you're the, the stepping stone. Oh, I like that. You're stepping. I, I like the hand boost idea, where it's go. like That's your, your job is to help people get over the sure. wall, like like with you know with their seals or army or whatever. But our job <laughs> been is watching to, too much. I've been watching team way sex. too much SEAL team. Um, <laughs> but but our job as men is very simple, but it's very hard. Right. And it's to love those who are in our in our care and in our steed, and to serve those whoever is around us at any 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 given time. Yep. That's where I'm going to end it. All right. Go Here ahead. Here's the fun facts. We ready? Let's go. Hopefully, that's the right button. It is. Fun facts. <laughs> yeah, people may not know, but when we in the sun, we can't see the time. We can't see Nothing. colors. We can't even tell. Like when we were going, I'm like, are we muted we're, or not? We're I don't like know. 57 minutes. 57 where, minutes. All right, my dude. Right. Well, what is the first fun fact of this round of, and oh, my bad, Revive <laughs> Fest Episode. Don't, don't do that at on stage. The Engedi, <laughs> at the Engedi campground. campground. There, you, there go. you go. What you got for us in this episode, my dude? All right. This one I thought it, it's a little bit morbid, but it's, it's still a fun fact. Did you just say it's morbid? It's a little bit morbid. All right. A man once won a horse race after he died. What? This one, this one will have <laughs> you saying what the fact, <laughs> right? But this dark fun fact is <laughs> definitely so takes corny. a winning spirit to another level. What? Frank Hayes was a jockey who suffered a fatal heart attack mid-race. However, his horse still led and finished the race in first place. As such, Hayes was the first and only jockey to win a race posthumously in, in 1923. So the dude literally he died, died mid-race mid and still won. And still won. I feel like if you're going to go it. out, you went out, he went out a winner. Yeah, but he you, went out a winner. But he hadn't won yet. So had he crossed the finish line and died, that would have been a winner. But he was like mid-race. No, his horse was like, I got you, boo-boo. We w winning this. You going out a winner. Wouldn't it have sucked, though, if he was like, had never won a race before? And like he was leading for the first I, time I, ever. I think it just sucks die. to die while you're well, yeah. racing on a horse because you're normally not that old when you're a jockey. I mean, you have a heart attack. How do you stay on the horse, though? That's what I want to know. That's impressive. But that you is. know what else is impressive? What's that, Mark? The fact that our RTC community shows up week in and week out and for some reason listens to two dudes in the middle of a, of a cornfield. We're, we're not two dudes these, in the basement We're not today. two dudes in the basement. We have come out of the basement. We are with the people. So we got to go. We got to go meet and greet we, some people. We got to go meet the peeps. We got to go say hi. Be, 
people who have walked by our little thing and signed not up. signed yeah. up. So we got, we got to go. What's hit going the, on here? We got to hit the people's uh, but guess That was bad. But wow. just like always, guys, we are so thankful for you. If you are not a part of the RTC online community, our Facebook community is growing every single day. So find That's us right. online at Facebook. The, the group specifically is was the RTC online no, community? No, no, no. Real Talk Real Christian Talk. Podcast community. There you go. So hit that up on Facebook. But you can find us on any of the other social media right. channels, whether it's on Twitter. Yes, we're still there. Or Facebook or Instagram or your favorite. If you haven't already, got to YouTube. YouTube, there you go. You got to go there and hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification. So when we're on, which I think we might be doing some live videos today, I don't know. I might do that. If you, if, if you have Only the signal if strength, I say we got to do it. I mean, I'm th- that's why I brought the gimbal. I don't. I but don't have signal strength. Do that now. So when we're on, you can join with us. Just like always, leave a rating review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating on Spotify. Spotify lets you do comments now. And every few weeks, we check those. So if you leave a comment, we will get around to it. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> well, guys, we love you all. And until next time, take it easy.